We are all concerned to take the right steps at the right time. Hello, a shift in tone from the ECB, but what will be the right steps and when will be the right time? I'm Carsten Röhmheld, filling in for Richard Edgar. In this month's CIO update, I asked Fidelity's Global Chief Investment Officer Andrew McCaffrey for his reactions to the latest moves from central banks, how investors should be approaching market volatility and what the impact could be for asset allocation. Hello, Andrew. Thank you for joining me. Let's start with central banks. A lot has happened since we spoke last month. Have your views changed on the policy outlook? Well, thank you, Carsten. That, um, uh, in reality, I think that uh, they haven't changed substantially, but the rhetoric that we've seen has definitely gone up a, a notch. But I think that still fits into a profile of where central banks are trying to get the markets to do a lot of the work for them. Um, and I think you, you see that in a couple of ways where we've seen very much the expectations of where rates in the US will um, uh, top out, which is uh, you know, in that uh, sort of 2% handle, but the low 2% uh, you know, position rather than actually some of the forecasts now that are projecting all the way up to 2.5%, 3% and also the Fed dots as they've uh, stood more recently. Um, the reason we continue to believe that is that um, you know two very powerful forces at work. One is that the debt burden in the background and just the sensitivity to uh, to that, which is um, a vital uh, ingredient of consideration, but also that you know there's still this great deal of belief that if they buy time, that some of the uh, movement in rates upfront in terms of 2022 that will mean that they uh, then can ease um, back and not follow through in an aggressive way because they still believe, despite some of the more recent comments, um, that looking into their profile of expectations, that we will see inflation starting to tick down um, as we go into uh, Q2 of this year. And so with that in mind, and even with the rhetoric we've seen from other central banks, including the ECB, is that, again, they're trying to make sure that there's a balance between this very difficult position of getting growth coming through and being maintained you know, not to see risks put at, um, uh, on that front by you know, being very aggressive um, as we go through the year and the, the risks that may then present later on in the year for uh, growth. And at the same time, that sensitivity around real rates and try and stop them from getting too positive because of the feedback routes, both into the debt burden, but also into um, uh, the real economy. Talking about other central banks, the starkest change in tone was from the ECB. Has that surprised you? Um, I don't think it's a surprise. I think that you've always got to uh, look at the ECB and think about you know, the members there and the degree to which um, there's different thinking embedded into um, the ECB members. But I thought it was you know, something that um, uh, the uptick in the expectations around when rates could move, most probably clearly a, a degree of um, uh, surprise, and you know, the extent to which um, implying that pulling back some of that uh, you know, stimulus but I think that, again, you know, we've seen um, Ms. Lagarde be very clear in that uh, you know, the pace and the nature of um, how the ECB will operate. So I think the conversations will be that much more sort of full of friction in the, uh, the months ahead. But um, in terms of how the markets run, I think it's quite logical that looking now that we've gone past the point of needing that sort of super stimulative policy, um, and the degree to which that's gradually taken back, but will rest a great deal again 
on these expectations that look for inflation to not be as problematic as the markets have first started to a little bit um, think about. Because uh, again, markets are not pricing dramatic inflationary maintenance um, you know, through time, but also that uh, you're wanting to see that growth be self-sustaining in nature as well. Sounds quite constructive. The central bank moves, along with growing concerns over inflation, have generated a lot of volatility in markets. Do you expect that to continue and how should investors be approaching it? So I think sadly it will. Um, that uh, I think there's a, a number of uh, things that are at um, play here. One, the hawkishness is not um, you know, something that I believe that they are just uh, you know, doing with a, with a view that um, they will take it back immediately. But I think there is an element where we will see slight tone change starting to um, develop around uh, the degree to which, as time goes on, that if we see some slowing, if we see obviously the peak in some of the nominal inflation levels, that they'll be looking to try and uh, use that as a backdrop to not move anywhere near as quickly. We also have some other um, you know, uh, ingredients to consider. Obviously, what we have at the moment in Ukraine and Russia, uh, you know, what we've seen in terms of the impact into pricing across um, you know, gas, oil and, uh, and other markets that have stayed very buoyant. Also, the degree to which we're seeing you know, a reconsideration as well of what uh, you know, is going to be sustainable levels of sort of multiple expansion through time. And I think that um, you know, this is something that is going to be uh, you know, important for the markets as they try and digest all this. And the risk is that we see you know, some degree of ongoing volatility um, reflected into risk assets and, and into bond markets, because the other side of or the concern we saw in you know, the very recent um, past is that you get a little bit of a positive um, movement in bond prices as they reflect uh, you know, concerns about growth or um, geopolitical risk uh, increasing again. There's two aspects that you mentioned I want to dive a little bit deeper into. You, you mentioned Ukraine, Russia. How much is market thinking being influenced by these growing geopolitical tensions, especially around this conflict right now? Well, I think the first part is uh, obviously a concern of if there was um, true conflict, but most probably the um, focus uh, primarily at the moment is the degree to which you have a number of the um, countries, whether it be the US, um, the UK, EU as a whole, you know, willing to move to very harsh sanctions very quickly. And what will that mean as that plays through? So I think at the moment, you know, the risk is that uh, uh, we see this continue to, to be played out, um, that there's not... Uh, you know the invasion as uh, as feared necessarily, but um, you know these sort of counter risks start to um, hold the markets a little bit in in awe as well as they continue. And what we see is this, um, you know, we've seen on many different days is that you know the reaction to the concern that this could be moments away from invasion to rolling back where there's more discussion, the potential that it may never occur, and that can avoid some of those um, you know worse sanction positions, which would be very impacting, um, I think, onto uh, to growth expectations as well. So it could be that, you know, as we look through these next few weeks, that we have some uh, nasty you know, downside influences from, you know, poor news, signs that the negotiations are not progressing well. And again, you know, some of that uh, upside for markets and recovery is really just as that calms down. But I, I think that, you know, to, to look at the overall profile from here is that, you know, that will be in a, a very clear interest for markets, but not to lose sight that we do have 
you know, the central bank uh, discussion. We have the data-driven outlook that they've um, highlighted, you know, coming through. And also not to uh, forget as well that we have a number of, um, you know, key statistics and also events uh, taking place um, in China and in Asia as we go past the Chinese New Year that will draw attention as well in terms of is that economy starting to show signs of recovery and from some of the stimulus that we've been seeing increasing. Absolutely. You, you mentioned the bond market before. That's now become noticeably more bearish. And I think there's more outflows from fixed income than for equities this year. So what's your take on this? Well, I think that the, um, uh, you know, the path for, for yields over time uh, you know, is to um, gradually uh, uh, be moving higher, especially in what we've seen um, in Europe. But you know, where we stand today, I think you know, tactically we're hitting um, you know, levels that Given what I said before about uh, you know, central banks sort of you know, using the markets, talking the position, most probably you know, the follow through not as great. And so you know, markets um, feeling that they're, they're correct to be um, pricing, uh, that there will not be significant follow through, that you can find that yields stabilize, if not recover a bit. And then, as I said, you've got in the background as a risk event that um, you know, maybe just having at the margin a little bit of um, uh, you know, safety first um, Uh, trading behavior which will uh, just support the bond market so i think where we stand today you know to find a bit more support at uh, these yield levels find the market stabilize um and uh, as we look forward over and i'm talking about the multi-month view i think you know the pressure for yields to gravitate up still will be there at times but for the moment um to find that you know, we start to find a, a sort of base and or a top to, to yield levels so overall, you expect financial conditions to tighten over the year more broadly, right? Well, I think that they uh, will continue to do that, Karsten, mainly because we're still coming from super accommodative levels. Even though we've seen financial conditions tighten off their lows, the reality is when you look at how you calculate uh, your current interest rates against where we've just had a CPI print at 7.5% in the US, that uh, you know, when you consider that stock markets you know, off their highs but barely, in, uh, in reality, that uh, uh, when you look at other circumstances, how this feeds back through the economy and um, tightens financial conditions substantially, you know, that hasn't occurred yet. You know, we're off the lows, but we've got a long way to go back, um, you know, even to where we were uh, you know, looking at the beginning of 2020. And I think that means that there is more tightening to come. But I think, again, not to lose sight that uh, you know, the central banks trying desperately to get the markets to do the work for them through guidance and uh, the managing of the message as much as uh, actions. By the way, the inflation rate for the US is now higher than that of Mexico. That's also a first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, taking, taking all this into account, uh, how has Fidelity's global asset allocation view changed? So I think some of the key things that um, uh, you know, we continue to, uh, to, to see from uh, uh, here is that you know, how do you find that balance between the, uh, you know, is inflation uh, going to stay persistent but at the moment showing signs of peaking? What are we seeing in terms of the growth dynamic? Because clearly we've come off the highs, but um, uh, you know, still at reasonable growth rates. But Q1 has shown some real challenges at, uh, at, this, at this stage. And how's that feedback through um, various markets? I think that you know, for us, one of the things that's most probably been sensible is be uh, somewhat more neutral when we're looking at some of the risk asset plays. So whether it be equities or looking into the credit markets, but actually slightly getting a bit more defensive there. 
thinking that credit, and especially looking to high yield, that uh, as you've seen yields rise, and actually, you know, um, when you look at the uh, the rates market at the treasury market, you know, it's underperformed, um, even this uh, as we've seen yields go up. So I think the risk is that you start to see some of that um, get priced into high yields, especially if we start talking about any form of slowing of growth. So we're a bit more defensive for credit as we um, you know head through the the quarter, and so that's a little um, uh, you know for change as well. In terms of the expectations across uh, the equity markets, still tend to favour that we will have a degree of you know the US giving back more of that massive outperformance, and then it really comes into you know do we have that stimulus in China starts to feed through more and that impacting across Asia, which we think it will, and therefore you know still have a bias and looking to continue to be slightly more favourable towards China, Asia, both equities but also um, debt from this point going forward. So not dramatic change, but um, a little bit more, again, constructive in that geographic view. Overall risk still most probably being biased to be neutral, even slightly underweight um, overall. And then um, finally, I think that one of the parts to work out is, is the stimulus or not coming from how the dollar moves from here. And if we are in that point where the expectations of policy are shown to be um, actually near their highs, as we see other central banks, especially in the developed world, starting to talk more about tightening, then you could find actually that the dollar coming off gives a little bit of a tailwind to that uh, emerging market um, and Asia view that I've just raised as well. Thank you, Andrew. That's all we have time for this month. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to read more about any of the topics Andrew has covered today, please go to your local Fidelity website or fidelityinternational.com. And you can listen to plenty more on both our Fidelity Answers and Rich Pickings podcast channels. And if you enjoyed what you hear, please do like and subscribe. The producer was Holly Eastman with technical support from Alex Wilcox. From all of us at Fidelity, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website.